Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. And today I'm excited to have Mr. Ajit Khurana, who's a founder, investor, and uh, earlier the CEO of ZPay. Ajit had been a founder of KITS and and has an experience of 28 years and was an alumni of University of Mumbai and has done his MBA from University of Texas. Welcome to the show, Ajit. Thanks. Thanks for having me, right? Awesome. So, so you know, uh, how, how did you get into entrepreneurship and what got you excited to uh, be in this in this world of blockchain and cryptocurrency? Two separate questions, but I'll just tell you that after I became entrepreneur and people asked me this question as to should I be entrepreneur? Why did you become entrepreneur? I came up with relatively intelligent, interesting and uh, interesting uh, sounding ideas uh, to respond to the question. But the fact is that when I got into entrepreneurship, it was the only thing I could think of. It wasn't as if I was thinking of like five things, you know, should I be an entrepreneur? Should I study further? Should I take up a job or any of those? I was, my senses, imagination was completely captured by, you know, setting up something and creating it and growing it and making it like really big. So that is the complete and honest answer. In hindsight, one, you know, retrofits certain reasoning and I can do that, but this is the most honest answer I can give. As far as why blockchain, uh, so I basically got into Bitcoin uh, in September of 16. I was really thinking of it as Bitcoin, not as cryptocurrency and not as blockchain, right? At that point of time. But if you go back to 93 and when I started my career all the way up to today, Right. One of the things that has been common, and I don't say this either to blame myself for it, nor to give myself credit. But the fact is that I've always been fascinated by the next new thing. So always the earliest adopter of email, the earliest, the first few people to sign up for the internet access when it was available by VSNL in Mumbai and, you know, e-commerce or what have you, in peer-to-peer lending, I, the first few people to lend obviously lost a lot of that money, etc. So I've always been, you know, been with the most innovative thing. In fact, recently, for example, there are a lot of these new software packages that keep coming out, application software. I even pay to learn how to use those, which is, I hear, not a very common thing even at this age. So cryptocurrency, right since 2014, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say cryptocurrency, I should say Bitcoin, was attracting me because of its wild price movement. And I was like, what the hell is this? So when in 14, I first started looking closely at it and I understood, okay, so this is some sort of money. Some people say e-money, some people say e-gold or whatever. And then I looked closely and because I've always been associated with finance in the classic sense of the term, I saw it and I said, what nonsense is this? There's no way in hell such a thing can ever happen in this world. (laughs) And I rejected the notion. Well, well, history caused me to suffer that decision, right? Well, I would probably have like Bitcoin. And I don't know what the price was then, but probably it was like much less than $100 if I'm not mistaken. Right. So then uh, I kept ignoring it. And once again, it would keep bubbling up and I would notice it. And then I did the Coursera course on it. I said, I've got to figure this thing out. I figure out the blockchain element. I figure out the decentralization element of it, which while I knew it from day one had not caught my attention. And I was like, while I am not in a position to assign a probability to how likely is it whether this thing will work or not, but I must say it's a fascinating new world 
and uh, it does present some sort of an alternative way of thinking i'm not referring to it as alternative currency but an alternative way of thinking where you know so many things have got democratized why can't money get democratized why can't we have a people's money as opposed to people are you know organizing a set of representatives who decide what money should be so i got fascinated by that idea i put in 1000 rupees literally to buy whatever was a fraction of uh, bitcoin i think it was around 40000 rupees at that point of time and i got some fraction of it and then i sold it to see if i get the money back just to make sure that you know <laughs> because the most of the world was referring to it as vaporware or some sort of scam or some sort of ponzi scheme at that point of time words luckily we don't hear too much of nowadays so i got my money back also and then i said hey this is interesting and uh, shortly thereafter i purchased some more and uh, then it went up so high that it became something like i think 80000 rupees and i like my god can it go higher than this <laughs> you, you know people are of course even then talking about how bad bitcoin would become 1 million dollars which i think some of some people still do but not as many as two years ago uh, especially because john mcafe who was the one who had you know placed that bet uh, is no longer committed to that number but having said that uh, it got me very interested i studied it i went to every platform around it i saw what people were trying to build on top of it in the form of some sort of a neo banking setup i went to discussion forums i talked to people about it and then but up to this point i was just an enthusiast right then right. uh, i think around august of uh, 17 that's correct august of 17 uh, i met one uh, a guy i knew way back uh, when he was in his earlier startup called sandeep goenka so he was ahmedabad based at that point was visiting mumbai and came and told me that hey can we catch up at starbucks i said sure he met me and said you know what i have set up this startup called zeppe we are doing exceedingly well growing very fast but and then he listed some of the things you know that any uh, cryptocurrency exchange in india would have a concern and he just wanted to bounce some ideas off me because in his earlier startup also he had bounced some ideas off me though we had not talked to each other for years after that and one thing led to the other uh, they were setting up i think they were making a second or third attempt to set up an industry body this time it was under the aegis of the internet and mobile association of india called bacc which is the blockchain and cryptocurrency committee i was chosen to join as its head and uh, so on 1st jan or 2nd jan of 2018 i joined as that continued in that role for about 2 and a half year 2 and a half months only okay. at which point of time zeppe who was frankly bearing all of my economic cost and you know was my pay was coming from zeppe really Uh, turned around and said that listen, we are rather have you work completely for Zeppe than for the industry body. If you want, you can continue with the industry body, but uh, you know we, we are not going to uh, continue the same relationship. So we will be one of the exchanges in the industry body, not the main one that supports you. So I chose to join Zeppe. In fact, so first I slipped into blockchain from uh, Bitcoin. Then I slipped into the blockchain and cryptocurrency community because I met an old friend. and from there i slipped into zeppe so i'm wondering if directly i had an offer from zeppe i don't know how that would have panned out much better much worse or probably the same then <laughs> few days after that rbi came out with its circular just imagine like few days <laughs> i think you know like 13 or 14 days they made an announcement and 5 6 days later they came up with the circular so life went on a complete roller coaster i we tried to work on it got into the supreme court action thing in like about a month from then maybe month and a half did a lot of things eventually in september closed operations in india at that point of time i uh, resigned from uh, zeppe 
and uh, went to a holding company in uh, Singapore. And I became CEO of the company which gives the license for Zeppe. And uh, did that for like 15 odd months, uh, maybe 16 odd months. And uh, now I'm back in India. Very interesting. But, um, you, you know, I, I still remember in 2018 when, uh, when this director came from RBI that you're not supposed to, you, you can't uh, buy cryptocurrency. And although, although exchanges got shut down, some really sad stories came out from other exchanges where, you know, people had to fire their employees. How did you go through this challenge? Because, you know, uh, this is a very uh, critical time going uh, across the world, uh, especially, you know, with, with the COVID-19 situation. What were your learnings? Because you, you've actually been through those 15, 16 months, uh, went through that challenge and, and you've successfully come out of it. So I, I'll tell you first, you should know that I'm no longer with ZP. Right. Right? So I'm not going to be in any way speaking on behalf of them. It would be unreasonable of me to do so. Absolutely. But just two quick points before I directly answer your question. First is that the, the difference between the RBI situation and the COVID situation is that the COVID situation is upon us. There's no doubt. Right. It is not that we are hearing that there might someday be a virus which may come to India. While in the RBI situation, first when it came, we thought we could you know turn it around talk to people. So there was a slow acceptance of how severe that problem was. Because we kept thinking maybe this can be done, maybe crypto to crypto can be done, maybe there's some alternative mechanism, etc. Right? Somebody said maybe we can buy gift vouchers as a variety of things. In the COVID situation, I think it has just come and hit us on our head. And there's no doubt as to the business downturn. Now, I think that in this scenario, there are only three things that can be done. And now I'm answering the COVID situation. The obvious one is cut costs. Right. As in that, I think goes beyond any doubt. The only thing is that, you know, when you cut costs, so for instance, if a startup is like now five, six years old, I think that they might have built some strengths that they can tide over for the next year or two. If a startup is starting today, I think they could just change the model to just using open source software, just using freelance. I don't know, using some creativity to have very low cost. But if a startup started, let's say mid 19, Right. And maybe raise some money and just got going by around December 19 or so. These are the ones I think are going to be the worst hit because they evolved a model, just got started, have not built any strength. They are going to be hurt. So it is very easy for me to say cut costs, but it is not as if it's easy to cut costs really. Right. Second thing is that uh, because creativity and imagination is going to have to come into picture, you can't just cut costs at all costs. Uh, your relationships with everybody, whether it's vendor, supplier, customer, landlord, employee, etc., are all going to have to change. Right? For, for instance, let us say you still need pretty good employees and you don't have uh, uh, the budget for them. Then, you know, we have always been talking of stock options while, uh, frankly, in the last several years, I have not come across too many examples of companies being able to use the potential, harness the potential of stock options fundamentally because of how taxation, etc. works in India. Uh, But now is the time to relook at those because people are losing jobs. So employment is also a problem. At the same time, you need great people. So there might be an opportunity to match make them. And last but not the least, uh, since my entrepreneurial journey started in, you know, late 93, or you could say early 94, uh, I must tell you, I have seen waves of employees being available or unavailable. My worst period probably was the 2006-7 period where you just could not hire anybody. Like 
salaries were shooting up people would accept a job and not show up because they had taken another job etc i think we are completely on the other end of the spectrum and we are seeing that uh, there might be good talent available at relatively lower cost than what one expected even a year ago so maybe this could be of some use so these are some of the thoughts but frankly uh, if the you know boat is if the tide is not rising the tide is sinking it is very difficult to get a boat to rise right absolutely and uh, you know i wanted to talk about blockchain in india uh, you know with the rbi directive in in march uh, that you know uh, it is legal to buy cryptocurrency and you know things really uh, looked well for for startups like wazirx and you know along with binance they've raised a 50 million dollar fund what are the sort of you know opportunities you see in the next coming months or years for for uh, indian entrepreneurs to build Uh, you know blockchain companies or 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 around cryptocurrency so i must just point out one little thing though that's not really your question right. that the rbi circular had nothing to do with the legality or the illegality of buying or selling crypto rbi never said it is illegal rbi frankly is not a lawmaker right to be able to say such a thing rbi said you can't use bank accounts for entities that are licensed by buyers oh, okay. to buy sell at the same time the supreme court verdict also has not come around and said anything about the legality of it they have just said that rbi probably as i am obviously oversimplifying it's a very long judgment but rbi probably you know overextended itself in uh, coming up with this and maybe other measures could be brought about so circular was cancelled so it is a gross oversimplification to the point of actually creating a wrong impression to say that at some point it was made illegal or for that matter the opposite that at some point of time it has been made legal the legality however good or bad it was has not changed either with the circular or with the supreme court judgment having said that i'll answer your question directly <laughs> right. and your question was about where do we go from here see right. one of the i think there are two okay any industry tends to have its champions like if you think about the it industry and how india became the it you know uh, great super power for it right. i think that if you go back to when nascom was formed now i think is 27 odd years ago and uh, how there was this guy called devang mehta who is now passed away so his name is not very popular anymore passed away very long time yeah. ago yeah. so he was the champion of nascom and nascom was a champion of the industry and they really moved heaven and earth to make india the superpower that it was and according to me there is no parallel in any other industry in india which has managed to do this right and i shudder to think that had there been no devang mehta had there been no nascom whether things would have reached this point now what has happened in the blockchain space in terms of the many champions that exist is that i believe there are three things that are really going wrong okay okay which are okay now obviously from the other end also government and media and things could be much better but i am saying that you know i can't control the government i can't control the media but i can control myself correct so at least i should do the right thing so i think there are three things that we are doing wrong and this by the way could be the highlight of this podcast that we are recording you know because this is very very important number right. one is that for probably for personal popularity or the fact that it gives them a lot of social media attention a lot of champions take a very strong anti establishmentarian view of blockchain like the likes of they will say down with banks down with rbi down with the government down with everybody except <laughs> blockchain right? right right and now the problem is they have to go to these same people to get the permissions to get the policies to get the law right, oh, right so right. it does not create a very harmonious way of working 
Now, if you are going to go to a island in South America and set up your own country and do all that, great, more power to you. Would be interesting to see. Apparently, somebody has done that. But if you are saying I want to exist within the Indian legal, tax, financial, banking system, and still keep saying down with all of those guys, it is not the best way. Number two is that while you will, when you will talk intellectually with a lot of these people, and of course they are brilliant people, they will talk about blockchain. They talk about how it is the future, how it is the internet of money, how it is a platform on which apps will be built, layer two technologies, lightning network, blah blah blah. But when the Bitcoin price starts going up. All they want to talk about is the price, <laughs> right? Now, what happened to all the technology? Or for that matter, if the price falls down, does the blockchain technology become less valuable? So, I think there are very few, uh, you know, champions in the world who don't get swayed by the price of Bitcoin, right? As in, they focus on the underlying change it is going to bring to all humankind, okay. right? And I think that this, this. Extraordinary focus on price of one cryptocurrency or cryptocurrencies in general just takes away from the entire value that this paradigm could bring in. And the third and final thing, which I think probably of these three gripes that I have, I think is the only one that is likely to get set right very soon because it is an obvious need of the hour. Is I think that players within this space have not worked very well with each other. Okay. Right. Probably because. Many of them are first-time entrepreneurs with zero or close to zero industry experience. I don't know whether because, I don't know. I, then I can just speculate. But the fact is that while if you take the IT services company, the Wipro, the Infosys, the TCS, and variety of others, they would fiercely compete in the marketplace to get orders, predominantly from US customers in the 90s. Right. But they would also very well present themselves as an industry group. Then representing themselves to the government and regulators in India to help the policy frameworks to be created such that they can be globally competitive. So while you are competing, on one hand, on the other hand, you need to still know that we are all in it together. So three quick points. One is the extraordinary, uh, the, the very strong anti-establishmentarianism, which actually does bother the establishment. Put yourself in their shoes. Second Correct. is the extraordinary focus on price as opposed to all the you know amazing opportunities, and third, not being able to behave like an industry. I think these have hurt us. Beyond this, if we can get some of this together, then there's just so many application areas that could open up. Right, and 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 do you foresee you know uh, industries like real estate, especially, and uh, you know other media industry, which can which can be helped by you know blockchain technology, uh, because that was I think that was what Ethereum uh, idea was that you know it's not about uh, money to money transfer, it's more about uh, you know uh, changing the ecosystem of the real estate industry or the the law industry. Any any thoughts on on the so I think that uh, you know just to be specific, I don't think we are talking of real estate, but we are talking of land records, which I right. know is related. So very simply, even the blockchain technology as it exists today, as in not I'm not talking of like futuristic when we'll have flying cars and right. space travel. I'm talking of as it exists today and has existed for several years now. It is very conducive to being a decentralized. Autonomous system of authenticating of documents. Just as an example, suppose you have a 
document, a degree certificate, an Aadhaar card, a PAN card, whatever you have, and you have to use it somewhere to open some sort of account to get a job to travel abroad, etc. Right. But typically, they'll tell you to authenticate it. This could be as you know, as big as getting a notarization stamping done, or self-attesting, or some form of authentication. Now, all of these methods of authentications are flawed. If you think about it, you know, if somebody is, puts a notary stamp, then is that person really a notary? Did that person really check? All of those questions remain. And right. while some countries have done a very elaborate system to ensure that an authenticated document is indeed authenticated, the fact is that these are all very, very difficult. old world systems with the blockchain you just at the source of the document the first time the document is issued whether it's your degree certificate aadhar card or whatever let's say your agreement of purchase of sale or purchase or sale of land etc if we had it in digital form let's say a pdf file or any other such form we hash it and for your listeners who do not know what a hash is it's some form of a fingerprint of the digital document and we record it with a time stamp on the blockchain such as the ethereum blockchain or the bitcoin blockchain now it is immutable like tomorrow uh, if somebody wants to even the issuer wants to say i didn't issue it even that is no longer possible because it is written on that blockchain and here is my degree certificate you can take the hash of it and compare it with the hash or the signature which was put on a particular day particular time and you know this document existed at that point of time and this is how its provenance was or this is how it was issued so this wherever it comes whether it's financial documents whether it is real estate land ownership records whether it is bank records ownership of any asset any transaction whether it is will probate marriage certificate any of those i think that is like a beautiful use case but you must know that going back to uh, so i did my computer engineering between 87 and 91 so right. computers were just getting to be popular people didn't have computers at home for sure so we had this one saying that we would tell everybody who would you know talk to us about computer bugs and computer errors and why is the computer not working so we as over smart smarty pants kind of engineers used to always tell them that the computer never does what you want it to do a computer only does what you tell it to do right right so likewise if right at the so- origination point a fake document is hashed onto the blockchain nothing can be done right if a university right. fails to upload it to the blockchain so naturally this presents the opportunity to solve the problem but it's not a magic wand as right. if you right. don't have a digital document uh, nothing can be done if the uh, if the fake comes and creates a claim first it's just like a trademark patent etc as to who came first sometimes these things are practically very difficult to get so we have to we have the technology already we need to have the system and mindset in place and then it can work right and are there any indian companies which are already using you know blockchain technology uh, and you know started building uh, started doing work on that okay so i must now at this stage point out that fundamentally while you know we could come up with many shades of gray but a simplistic way of viewing the blockchain paradigm is that there are two types of blockchains the public blockchain and the private blockchain okay right this is very important to answer your question of are there indian companies doing certain work already a public blockchain such as let's say the bitcoin blockchain is something that nobody owns uh, nobody influences unduly uh, and basically it belongs to everybody or anybody who chooses to run a bitcoin software node 
right yeah. a private blockchain would be that i could for example uh, program a blockchain i i am let's say for example a bank and then i go to some other banks and say hey listen let's adopt this blockchain we own it it runs on our servers we influence how it works and what the algorithm is and it may or may not be open source right so yeah. as far as private blockchains are concerned because they do not suffer from you know the the paradigm shift that decentralization brings in i have seen a lot of initiatives and right. frankly if i try to extend my imagination i can definitely think of some uses of the private blockchain but you know it's a little crazy when you think about i'll draw a parallel with cloud computing okay when cloud computing first came in and people started understanding that there could be you know servers absolutely anywhere which would be elastic and you know virtually limitless and those kind of things everybody loved the idea and then when you know these cloud providers uh, presented it to let's say banks or other institutions they said hold on a minute are you saying that all my data will now be sitting on your computer right and then no way please put up a cloud inside my office right right so that would be like a private cloud now by the way there can be a pri- entirely private cloud setup right for instance when amazon was doing its uh, cloud uh, based uh, architecture before offering it to the world as aws or amazon right. web services it, that was exactly what it was a private cloud then they realize that we have this great thing in place why not allow people to subscribe and the rest is they say is history but organization said give me private cloud man and then that sounded like what do you mean by private cloud right as in right. while you can create a private cloud architecture with redundancies elasticities but it does not the joy of cloud computing doesn't come into the picture and today there are many organizations who have what is called a hybrid structure where some elements are stored here some are put on public clouds and that makes a hybrid and blockchain also is likewise everybody loves the nature of blockchain but then they say please set up a blockchain in my office and uh, because this gives a lot of work to consulting companies and it companies those companies are always very happy to take blockchain related orders uh, and lot of companies which have made earlier initial exploratory you know uh, pilots or prototypes I have now started wondering what is the big thing with blockchain our older system was so much better than this blockchain makes everything slow right. and why should we have blockchain at all because that is because they are exploring the private blockchain to do the functions of the public blockchain right i think that that, that lack of complete understanding is uh, being exploited by you know people who actually understand but will often be found saying things like oh cryptocurrency we don't like but blockchain we like <laughs> right, right right and unfortunately while i don't blame those people because those people have probably some vested interest maybe my problem is that people in our in the cryptocurrency industry also tend to take a fairly extreme view where they'll only focus on the price of cryptocurrency and always keep forgetting the underlying blockchain architecture and how it is going to or has the potential to change the world so to answer your question a lot of private blockchain initiatives have been put in place very few companies have tried to use existing public blockchains to build technologies on top of and that is because you know they sense pretty much like the government senses or or institution set up uh, sense the lack of control likewise uh, companies also would sense a lack of control because they don't they have not written that blockchain correct and you know what are your thoughts on uh, on libra and do you think you know com- digital companies like like facebook google amazon they should they have their own uh, cryptocurrencies for that matter 
so we'll answer it in two different ways because unfortunately you know like for example when facebook announced libra Thanks. if you had talked to people who were somehow associated with cryptocurrency and simply asked them is this good for bitcoin or is this bad for bitcoin Right. We had equally strong opinions in both because, see, the fact is that one, on the one hand, there is a technology. On the other hand, is an organization like Facebook, which people have a certain opinion of. Right. right. So there are so many variables that come in. But I would like to view this in two ways. First, if you ignore the blockchain or cryptography element of it, okay, a lot of stored value kind of currency places exist. Right. For example, PayPal. People are holding an account with PayPal. Right. Right, and uh, you know, depending on which territory we are talking about, many places a PayPal account is like a bank account, as the money is sitting there. Correct. Right. So now, could we say that if I somebody has ten dollars in a PayPal account, those are ten PayPal dollars, or they are ten US dollars, or ten US dollars are put in and now have become PayPal dollars? These are these are levels of abstraction. Ultimately, you are trusting PayPal to hold those ten dollars for you. Correct. Right. Correct. If PayPal had said, "Hey, I am holding it in the form of PayPal cryptocurrency." it would say in my mind be 10 dollars as long as i put in 10 and i get 10 what has happened with uh, a lot of this cryptocurrency is that a new asset has been created right as opposed to let's say 100 rupee whether it's in my note whether it's in my paytm wallet whether it's in my hdfc bank is 100 rupees of equal value now instead of this if i had gone and purchased gold of 100 rupees now a 100 rupee note and gold worth 100 rupee will diverge in value one way or the other over period of time so this creation of a new asset is what is the question now facebook libra was not that facebook libra was something like what you would like to call a stable coin oh, okay. what that means is that in the us one libra unit i don't know if they were calling it libra unit but one libra unit would be 1 dollar and it would always be the case so it was not creating a new asset it was creating a new network on top of which all of these things would run and if it was in switzerland then it would be one switzerland currency unit if it was theoretically in india it one libra unit would be one indian rupee so that sort of cryptocurrency is if you think about it though it is using cryptography if you go to a food court in a mall and there are some food courts where you have to first go and buy coupons so you don't give money to the food counter you go and buy coupons let's say 10 coupons of 10 rupees each now you want to buy ice cream which cost 50 rupees so you give him five coupons right. actually it is the same thing this is exactly what libra was of course it was not a paper coupon it was based on a certain technology but the fact is this is what it was you give money they transfer it to a one is to one equivalent token that they gave you and later if you want to transfer it back because you have some vouchers you mean you again go to the counter and say hey listen three of my 10 rupee coupons have remained here it is and he give you 30 rupees back so in its basic form a stable coin is just that now that controversy arose because first stable coin themselves have a little people always have a doubt that if you have given away coupons worth 100 rupees do you still have the 100 rupees what if somebody came back what if you don't have it anymore and second because now you have to submit all your information and it's not just the information you give at the kyc process but also all your transaction information your money related habits that gets known to these organizations whether they can be trusted to keep this but otherwise a facebook libra or organizational money jp morgan coin or whatever you want to call it isn't really cryptocurrency in the sense that it creates a new asset which is uncorrelated to you know the asset that it was to start out like bitcoin you buy bitcoin with a fiat currency and then fiat currency goes in one direction and bitcoin goes in the other direction 
these are not those right so i think that as long as it is just a system of accounting which is you know as i say that money has three characteristics it's a medium of transaction a store of value and a unit of account so what we created here was a unit of account there were obviously facilitating transactions and obviously storing value but as long as a unit of account i don't think that by itself it is a very valuable thing in the sense it's not worth too much debate the debate really came because uh, the debate of cryptocurrency really comes because it tends to bypass the fiat system tomorrow facebook libra might also decide to do that uh, well theoretically i don't think the project is really taking off but at the present stage facebook libra was just a stable coin right and and what about the debate that you know cryptocurrency is is an asset and, and not a not a currency you know do, do you do you think it's it's like an asset but it's not it can never be a different form of a currency so you know you you asked a question and then you asked me a more extreme form of the same question <laughs> first you said it's an asset not a currency and then you say it's an asset but can never become a currency so my answer actually changed between your two versions of the question <laughs> so because, like, yeah. Yeah, because there is a lot of confusion you know because some people <laughs> say it's currency no, so. no i again see the thing is that if you look at how currency is defined right. i have found that uh, uh, in all countries there is some definition some law that governs currency sometimes more than one law right in light of that cryptocurrency is not going to ever come into that because in all of those cases uh, the currency is issued by a central agency such as the central banker rbi in india for example and is monitored by a group of people who are authorized to monitor it cryptocurrency is not either of those so to that extent it is not currency absolutely because that is how we have defined it right right so i define that i am ajit right so are you ajit no because i have defined that i am ajit so you will always be something else you will be a rohit because right. the definition is a self fulfilling definition okay. now the question is whether cryptocurrency can be used as currency i want you to understand in two ways so you meet me you have a motorbike and i have a gold ring and i tell you hey listen i want to buy your motorbike i'll pay you with my gold ring right and you say i accept this transaction right have you done anything illegal the answer is no as long as you disclose your sale and the income you have made and i disclose my purchase and the payment that i made i think we have not done anything illegal we did not use currency if you noticed however we used gold as if it was currency and in doing so we did nothing wrong because it was effectively a barter correct right. now this is not commonly done as an i don't know if anybody who has given a gold ring to buy a motorbike primarily because of the impracticality associated with it but what if the instead of gold it was uh, something which is more measurable like bitcoin see gold i would not know the purity i would not know how to store it i would always be worried about if you know uh, tomorrow you deny it because you will not show that you gave it to me or any of those kind of things you can also be worried that i might ask for my motorcycle back and say what what gold you never gave me gold etc so if there was a digital asset which is completely traceable has a ledger which can be checked and verified by everybody i think that that buying of motorbike using the gold ring could be more realistic then right like for instance suppose i were to give you uh, you know 100 shares of hdfc bank and you give me a motorbike in return because now the motorbike would have certain registration documents leave a trail the hdfc bank share price would leave a trail and probably we can have an email exchange i think this transaction could be done so assets can be used in the format of currency and this specific asset namely bitcoin actually has been structured 
such that it can become a medium of transaction right so sure. can it be used yes is there anything illegal about it well if the asset itself is not illegal then just like i gave you the example of using gold to buy a motorbike or hdfc shares to buy a motorbike actually it would be done here also now whether it will have the blessings of the formal system of finance whether banks would accept for example deposits in bitcoin or other such whether you can pay taxes in bitcoin some countries of the world or provinces at least are accepting payment in cryptocurrency it's very interesting but would that happen now that is where policy and regulations come into picture and that bit is the weakest end of the cryptocurrency paradigm because on the one hand without that very major institutions or very major efforts cannot be taken underway on the other hand uh, currently the way this is being presented there are very few countries in the world it's a small single digit number or a single digit number at most which is encouraging of cryptocurrency there are a few dozen more that are tolerant of cryptocurrency and the vast majority of them actually are pretty intolerant of cryptocurrency at least when it comes to starting to jeopardize the financial system so i think that we have to come to a place where you know the coexistence of the old and the new is possible because both present some advantages then of course which wins over the other time will tell interesting you you talked about uh, you know countries uh, who might or might not favor but uh, you know there the are lot of news about china which is trying to replace cash with digital yuan you you think that's that could happen uh, considering i think you know, every country every country has a digitization spree on everything their records are being digitized their government processes are being digitized and very much so their money is being digitized like if you know when demonetization came in earlier it was to uh, you know bring back black money or any of those kind of things but eventually started becoming a less cash or cashless kind of system and digital money and government is very encouraging of that and for obvious reasons because digital money tends to leave a trail right. physical assets or physical money uh, theoretically it could also leave a trail in certain cases but you know you can also have no trail so as a result digitization of that which can be digitized is a very good idea now uh, india is also on the same street is not just a chinese example the right. question however is for i'll give you an example same thing that i said earlier the 100 rupee note in your pocket in your bank account in your paytm wallet all are exactly 100 rupees uh, right because you have not converted it to a non correlated asset correct if however you purchase like a cryptocurrency not issued by the central banker not pegged then we have a very different scenario that is what the bitcoin paradigm is testing in the world correct and uh, uh, you know you you've been part of a cryptocurrency exchange uh, uh, you know how do you keep your cryptocurrency not uh, getting stolen from your phone or you know what are the best ways people can keep cryptocurrency with them and not like so, so so the thing is here's the thing um, i have to tell you that i am not in any way like you know you began your question by saying that you have been part i am in no way talking about that because i am not employed by them i am so, not authorized to be their spokesperson and for all i know they are doing things differently than when i was there so so i am not giving you that uh, but i can still answer your question here's the thing there is this slogan which says not you not your you don't control the private key so you don't have the money now that yeah. may be a little too technical for people to get what i'm saying but the entire paradigm of cryptocurrency one of its two or three strongest features is that it is empowering people that means people can become their own bank people can become their own central bank for that matter right. in light of that people have to be responsible for their own money 
So tomorrow, for instance, you go to HDFC bank and you open a bank account and then you lose everything. You even forget your account number. Well, so things are traceable. You have a net banking password and login ID and you forget those. Well, it can still be traced. Uh, but in, if you are holding your own coins and you lose the private keys, that means the let's call it loosely the password, the cryptocurrency is gone forever. There's nobody you can go to. As a result, what people do, because they don't like this and this is not how they operate in real life, they go and let somebody else hold the cryptocurrency for them, such as an exchange. Right. Right. Or whatever, some, some such mechanism where somebody else holds it. So there is some recourse, like tomorrow if you lose the phone on which you had stored your something and that is gone, blah, blah, blah. Now the problem is that while this is doable, but A, now you're trusting a third party with this. Right. Right. So that is a very, very big problem. And it is not as if the other guy could be malicious. Well, the other guy could be malicious. It could also be that the other guy is careless. It could also be that the other guy is unlucky. Right. So in light of that, you have to learn to store your own coins. But if you do not, there are some ways in which, you know, there are intermediate solutions available and that's just a little too advanced for uh, anything less than a dedicated, you know, session for that. But easiest thing, uh, okay, cleanest thing, use a hardware wallet, paper wallet or some such method to hold your own coins. If that is too technical for you, find out providers such as BitGo who will have your wallet, but at the same time, uh, you know, the keys will be with you. I'm oversimplifying this and you look closer, you'll understand what the exact scenario is. And if not even that, then you can probably have some sort of custodian to take care of it. And an exchange can also be the custodian. The last one is of course the least preferred. Oh, got it. But, but I think what I've seen is a physical ledger wallet is what uh, people are, are, are using to, you know, store the coins. Yeah. So you mean like a ledger or a trezor or now there yeah. are other ones also. Uh, yes, I have seen that. So see, there are, pros and cons of absolutely everything. What that does, that ledger or trezor, etc., do is effectively become your signature. Right. right. The equivalent of instead of putting a password, you put that in. So everyone has pros and cons. Uh, people have to really learn this bit. And I think that the fact that people don't know how to store their own coin and they have to trust some third party is uh, one of the reasons that has prevented far more people from coming into the cryptocurrency space. Correct. And, and so, so Ajit, you you, you uh, are not with uh, with Zip anymore. What is the next new thing that you're looking at, and what, what is the future planned? So uh, I was with Zip, if you include the Indian company and then the holding company that I went to, etc., for roughly around two years, maybe a little more than that. Right. But uh, um, the thing is that right, I have always right at the beginning of this call, I told you that I've always been interested in uh, you know new technology. Right. And uh, my quest continues. I continue to associate with early stage uh, entrepreneurs, sharing my thoughts with them, uh, you know, helping them uh, as an advisor. And I think I will continue that for some more time. Got it. And, and, and uh, you know, you, you also look at advising startups. Are, are, are there, you know, any specific advising opportunities uh, you help out startups, early stage startups? So my advising of startups tends to be in two formats. I think 95% of my advice tends to have no commercial transaction in it. Uh, it generally ends up being one call or max of two. Uh, sometimes what happens is that when I get into deeper engagement with some uh, startups where, you know, more frequent, 
deeper engagements are required then they ask me whether they can remunerate me in some ways now okay. rightly or wrongly my sense of how much i should be remunerated tends to be very high <laughs> right so and startups definitely don't have the kind of money to be able to pay me so some of them remunerate me by giving me a little bit of an advisory equity in their company which at that point of time does not seem very valuable to them because they are in early stages and it aligns our interest so there are a very few companies with who i get into an advisory equity kind of arrangement uh, i'm again like in many other things i have told you on this call this is a very gross oversimplification and on a case to case basis i look at the opportunity and choose to advise some companies got it so i quickly want to do the top 3 uh, what's your favorite business book ouch i wish you had said what is your favorite book because, <laughs> because business books are boring <laughs> well, you can talk about any any fiction book any yeah other. my favorite book is the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy by douglas adams i mean hands down <laughs> right my favorite business book i have to go back to the first entrepreneurship book i read and i read it in the early 90s so like like you know 30 years ago uh, it was a book called uh, the e myth e myth e standing for entrepreneurship it's by gerber linda gerber if i'm not mistaken it basically opened my eyes to what entrepreneurship is and how i had been misled into believing entrepreneurship is this grand romantic journey which it is made out to be by people who probably don't understand it or have never been entrepreneurs themselves so that was my first book on this topic and hence it has the maximum influence that you know any business book has had on me and you know if you could go back in time when you when you started your entrepreneurial journey what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently oh so while i'll answer that question let me tell you it isn't as if i would have done one thing differently i would have done like everything differently <laughs> <laughs> because you know it's, it's very interesting when i see big celebrities leaders around the world being interviewed pretty much yeah. like the interview you are doing now except that you are not doing it with a big celebrity or leader and they are often asked what do you regret in life or what regret do you have it blows my mind that every single one of them says i have no regrets i'm like oh. what really my life is like a sequence of regrets <laughs> how can you possibly not have regrets uh, maybe what they are saying is that they did a lot of things wrong but they are okay with it maybe right. that's what they mean because maybe they accepted it yeah they just accepted it as, as opposed to calling it regret and you know staying up night suffering from the consequences of that mistake but in my case lots of things i would do different i think that one of the things i would do different uh, very different is that so i had a certain style of working certain expectations certain way of leading teams certain way of approaching risk right. so let us call that my unique signature style i unfortunately and i say this with not just regret but with shame i would get a lot of lot influenced by other people who probably were wiser than me more famous than me or more of a celebrity and i would try to you know give up my personality individuality and signature style and try to learn in hindsight i realized that that was always wrong i have to of course learn new techniques i have to learn new software and those kind of things but my signature entrepreneurship my style of leading my style of being ceo is my style and that is where i make the maximum contribution and i should value and cherish my style and be me this would be the biggest correct and uh, do you have any favorite online tools for example uh, uh, zoom slack so i have used all of them right now we are using zoom to record this uh, yes. 
I basically, I think the most common thing I use is Gmail. I use Google Keep to do some sort of to-do list. There is a new software which I am presently exploring, not started using it yet. It is a new note-taking tool called Rome, Rome Research. Yeah. So I actually am trying to learn that. Uh, you know what happens is that the reason I don't succeed in things that I don't succeed in is because I didn't pursue them right. I didn't think hard enough. I didn't put in the, I was not motivated. I procrastinated. It becomes very easy for me to lean on an online tool and say, you know, if I had a better tool, I would not procrastinate, but the tool doesn't solve it. So there are great tools. I constantly look for better and better tools, including for video conferencing, for note taking, for communication, etc. But I don't think it is the tool. I think it is the entrepreneur. Nice. And uh, you, you know, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about you? So the, the, the really, according to me, the best way is if it's just like messaging any social platform, I'm not active on Facebook, but Twitter, I'm most active secondarily on LinkedIn. And I do read all the messages that come to me on these places, which does not mean I necessarily reply. After that, if I think that people are, you know, there is, there is some merit to carrying the discussion forward, then whether it is exchanging phone numbers, email addresses, etc., I do that. My name is spelled as AJ double E T Khurana. Uh, so you, that is my handle on LinkedIn on Twitter. I'm AJ double T K that is Ajit K. Right. So these might be the easiest way to know what I'm thinking, share some thoughts with me and uh, connect with me initially from there. We can take it. Sure. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Ajit, thank you so much for coming onto the show and speaking to us. I really enjoy speaking to you. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.